afternoon, everyone. I believe, and it's 1.30, so we're going to start on time. I really appreciate you all being here. The first thing we're going to do is take the roll. Anna, will you call the roll, please? Here. Thank you very much. As we normally like to do, we like to pay uh, respects to those people who have passed on our streets due to crashes from uh, and pedestrian accidents that have occurred throughout the last few months before our subsequent to our last meeting. So I will start with the list and then uh, Vice Chair Duan will finish. Christopher Reed, unnamed pedestrian, unnamed motorcyclist, unnamed motorcyclist, April Zagulauer and newborn baby, unnamed pedestrian, unnamed pedestrian, Padman Ban Krishnan, unnamed bicyclist, unnamed pedestrian. Unnamed pedestrian. Unnamed pedestrian. Unnamed bicyclist. Sovino Eloy Garcia. Vincent Tin Tut. Unnamed motorcyclist. Rosa Magali Zapata. Unnamed pedestrian. Victor Sequeiros. And let's take a moment of silence. Thank you. We recognize those names because this is why we are here in Vision Zero. This is why we do the work we do, is to make sure that we decrease the fatalities that are a result of crashes on our streets. Before we get into the agenda, uh, we've taken the roll and now we need to adopt the minutes. Do we have a motion to approve the minutes? Do we have minutes? We have minutes. 
Is there a motion to approve them? I'll make a motion. Jackie Lauber. Thank you, Jackie. Second. It, with no discussion, all in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Thank you. We have minutes from our last meeting. Just want to, um, before we begin, I want to talk a little bit about Vision Zero and and where we're going in the, in the future of Vision Zero. The Vision Zero Task Force has been meeting since uh, 2020. We've been hearing reports on traffic safety efforts in the city and providing feedback. The Vision Zero Task Force has done a great job of bringing greater attention to the issue of traffic violence in our city, and I'm truly proud of the work that we've done here. However, the task force has historically been primarily reactive, hearing reports on items rather than proactive. For this year, I'd like us to refocus the Vision Zero Task Force toward applying the wealth of knowledge we have in this room to a new Vision Zero action plan. We will, it, with the new action plan, this, this will drive our future direction both for Vision Zero and the Department of Transportation. With the new action plan created at the end of this year, we will conclude this task force with our recommended new vision action plan being the culmination of this task force work. We will be providing more detail under item 4A, but I wanted to let everyone on the task force know that the work of the task force will be primarily this new Vision Zero action plan. I also want to acknowledge Lily Lim Sao, who is our Assistant Director of Transportation, and she is retiring. Today is her last day at the City of San Jose. We are truly honored and blessed to have had you amongst us at both at the City and with the Vision Zero. Thank you so much for your dedication. for 31 years, if you can imagine that. Awesome. So I haven't been here that long. I've only been here five years, but I've been on Vision Zero for four years and have been truly honored and impressed by the work and know that you're leaving behind a well-prepared team to take over in your place. But we will miss you, so come by and back and visit us as we, we finish our work. You're always welcome as a member of the public. Lastly, I want to let everyone know that this agenda will be focused on moving Vision Zero forward to another committee that is more um, capable of handling what we do here. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But under public comment, as we have done in the past with this task force, we will not accept public comment in, with each item that we discuss. As typical for a task force, as you've also seen in study sessions, we will have members of the public speak at the very end under open comments as time allows. This session will last for two hours, so we want to move forward as effectively as possible. And to do that, it requires all of the task force members, which are many, to be engaged and offering your opinion your, and your valuable expertise uh, as much as possible and hopefully your frankness and your desire to help us move this forward successfully. So with that, this is not a, a desire to limit public comment. 
We will get to public comment at the end and we will have a minute for public comment. So if you have something to say that you've written it for two minutes, please narrow it down to one minute and we'll try to get to you around 3.15. With that, I am going to turn this over to Jesse. Jesse, before you begin, this clock is wrong. <laughs> this one is accurate. So if you're thinking it's almost 2 o'clock, it's not. It's closer to 1.40. Okay, thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jesse Winsroth, and I'm the Division Zero Manager of the Department of Transportation. Um, since my thing doesn't work, I'll just uh, tap you to go to the next step. Continue. Um, this is to begin with our traffic fatality data for 2023, the first time we're reporting it. I want to thank uh, first to acknowledge that the data here uh, represents our friends and neighbors, um, and so the, these numbers are representing people who've died here in San Jose. And also to uh, acknowledge our Vision Zero data team uh, who helped pr to produce this meeting and who did all of this data analysis. Um, in 2023 is actually a, our first major reduction in traffic fatalities in a long time. Uh, we saw from the peak last year, the, the highest number we'd seen, 65, a reduction of 25% to 49 in 2023. There was also, as you can see, a dip in 2020, but 2020 is a very unusual year for a lot of reasons. and so. Um, we're sort of interested to see whether this new number, this reduction in 2023 holds. Um, the last time that we had another number in the 40s was in 2017. Um, but it, so we're very interested to see the other region, the other major cities in the region also saw a dip this year. Um, so it's interesting to see that. On the Cumulative fatalities by month, the yellow line uh, that has the background of the range the last five years in orange. Uh, similar to this being a low year in total, the yellow line follows the low end of each month's range from the last five years as we went through the quarters and each individual month. Next slide. Uh, so looking at the 2023 traffic fatalities in more detail, um, of the 49 fatalities, 86% uh, occurred on major roadways that have a posted speed limit of 35 miles per hour or higher, um, and 65% occurred in dark hours. Um, looking at them in terms of the priority safety corridors, which are the streets on which we prioritize safety redesign, 63% of them occurred there, um, and 55% of them involved people walking as the victims. And this follows our recent data that people killed while walking are our biggest group in San Jose, despite their small mode share. Um, so on the right side of the slide, we have uh, pedestrian fatalities in yellow at 27 at 55%, as well as the other modes. And uh, let's go to the next slide, because this one looks at the traffic fatalities by mode in the same way 
as we had them on the earlier slide. So for the cumulative pedestrian fatalities by month, the total of 27 in December, uh, that is the third highest we've had uh, on record. And it's not the highest in this range, but it is on the high end. And so I will say that we're very, very focused on that still. Pedestrian fatalities are uh, one of our biggest uh, sort of interest area to see what we can do to move that number down. Um, then looking at uh, cumulative motor vehicle occupant fatalities, so people who are riding in vehicles, uh, this is the lowest number that we've had on record in at least 10 years. Um, so that is um, good to see. Uh, for cyclists, this is a relatively low year as well. Um, and for motorcyclists, it is uh, sort of the middle. Uh, next slide. Looking at fatal and severe injuries, which is what KSI stands for, uh, you can see the yellow line of the year move through the range. Sort of interestingly, it ends on the lower end of the range, but around the middle, uh, so like June and July and August, uh, it's around the top. Um, if you look then on the left, so the left is fatal and severe injuries. Um, on the right is all injuries. Uh, fatal and severe injuries account for just under 10% in most months. Um, and for cumulative injuries, a similar pattern where it's towards the high end of the range uh, in summer, but ends the year relatively low. Um, next slide. We have a slide on unhoused traffic fatalities uh, and another slide about this coming up soon. Uh, this is because uh, in 2020 and 2021, we saw a huge rise in unhoused traffic fatalities that incur we, we did a study about it. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about them is that they are uh, among our pedestrian fatalities, this is a high percent, um, but in the last two years, 2022 and 2023, we've had the highest number of uh, pedestrian fatalities, people killed while walking. Um, and these numbers, the unhoused amount, the, unho the unhoused percentage, their share, they peak in 2021. Um, so one of our big questions for 2023 and also 2022 is who are the other pedestrians who are not unhoused, who are making up the high number? Um, and so we have some questions to be answered, um, you know, basically that question. Um, and how do are these numbers that we're finding in the unhoused traffic fatalities compared to other metrics around our unhoused population in San Jose and Santa Clara County? Uh, next slide. So now we're gonna move into talking about our updates to the 2020 Vision Zero Action Plan. Uh, next slide. These are the six priority action areas to uh, build robust data analytics tools, to form a Vision Zero task force, to strategize traffic enforcement, to increase community outreach and engagement, uh, to implement quick build data-driven safety improvements, and to prioritize resources on high fatal and severe injury corridors and districts. Next slide. Um, so we're gonna just go area by area here. In the first area of building robust data analytics tools, uh, this returning to the previous topic about unhoused traffic fatalities, we did a great study in 2023 um, on data and we worked with our Vision Zero uh, task force member partners as well as other 
city agencies to do it. So the data itself comes from the Santa Clara County Medical Examiner Corner, um, and they share this data publicly on their website on a dashboard, which is great. Um, we also worked with the San Jose uh, Information Technology Department and their Equity Fellow, uh, Data Equity Fellow Program, and so we were, had a staff person work with us to do this analysis. Um, and they wanted to then feature it on the open data portal, and so we created this map that the public is welcome to access um, on the right, and also found out that studies like this don't really exist yet. Um, and so this felt sort of like the cutting edge, surprisingly, um, to do this type of data research. Um, and so then we followed it up with engagement in, in encampments, and that was sponsored by a grant that we have every year from the California Office of Traffic Safety. And we worked with the Housing Department and the Parks Department, as well as a consultant called Winter Consulting uh, that provided the ability for us to interact with people in English, Spanish, and Vietnamese, um, as well as PATH, which works with our in-house population here at the city. So um, it was great to be able to look at our unhoused traffic fatalities and see which streets, for example, Story Keys has the most uh, of them, and also just help us understand this data better. Um, and then we also got covered in San Jose Spotlight and some other publications, and are working with other cities, primarily on the West Coast, uh, to learn more about this type of data. Another type of data sharing that I want to acknowledge is coming up soon that we've been working with the San Jose Police Department on, another of our task force members, is e-citation data sharing, so we'll be able to use that in analyses soon. Um, next slide. Uh, under our uh, Vision Zero data team, I want to acknowledge their great work as well as our uh, consultant in creating the Walk Safe San Jose pedestrian safety plan, which is nearing its end and in its final phases included some demonstration pop-ups where we, working with the consultant, went on to four sites the weekend of February 8th to 10th recently um, and showed people what a pedestrian safety project would be like to see. So some of these sites were next to schools and some of them were next to retail and other, uh, other local spots. And so you can see in one of these slides that at the Orchard School in District 4 that we had a middle school class come outside and we explained to them what the project was about and they fill, filled out our form. So that was a great experience and we may be doing more of these in the coming year. Uh, next slide. Uh, implementing quick build improvements. We applied for a grant through the California Active Transportation Program in 2020 to do uh, pedestrian safety improvements near some schools. And so this is one of the two schools that was included in that grant, the Edenvale Elementary School in District 2. Uh, this included pedestrian safety improvements like curb extensions, such as we had demonstrated in the previous slide, um, that shortened crossing distances, as well as high visibility crosswalks. And so we have some pictures of that. Uh, the next slide. Um, a really great achievement uh, for all of our many departments in DOT and also around city government who work on grant applications uh, was winning the US DOT Safe Streets for All Implementation Grant. Uh, it was announced in December 2023. And I want to acknowledge uh, Gina LeBlanc, who, uh, whose son 
uh, unfortunately um, was killed at this intersection, but I, she has been an amazing advocate. Um, and um, we were able to include that location as well as three other um, high fatal and severe injury locations in this successful grant application. Um, we had this press conference and um, this project will take a few years to build, uh, but it's a very, very competitive grant and um, it's an exciting achievement for our program. Um, next slide. So I'm now moving into talking about the 2025 Vision Zero Action Plan creation. Um, and this takes where we are and moves us into a new action plan. So uh, the next slide, please. Um, so um, I want to- Before you oh go yes. into that. Go ahead. I, I, I want to see if anyone has any questions. So what we, thank you, Jesse. What we've just seen is the 2020 action plan and some of the data that is connected to it. It's important to have us take a look at that because we're going to begin reformatting and creating a new action plan for 2025, and that information is helpful. So before we begin, though, I have a few things I'd like to say. As I said earlier, in 2020, the Vision Zero Task Force was created to work on solutions to the issue of traffic violence in our city and provide feedback to the Department of Transportation on their work. Since then, the Vision Zero Task Force has met 11 times and we've had robust discussions about traffic safety and how we can advance our Vision Zero work. Since the 2020 Vision Zero Action Plan was adopted, we've done a lot of work to move the needle on traffic safety in San Jose. We established strong relationships with the city departments and county agencies through the task force and will continue working with them. We launched a citywide slowdown San Jose campaign. I'm sure you've seen the billboards and the lawn signs in collaboration with VTA to build a culture around street safety. We installed 19 miles of quick build improvements along segments of the priority safety corridors. I'm sure you've seen those many throughout our city. We developed a data analytics tool to better analyze crash and injury trends. We expanded our number of miles of priority safety corridors. These are the streets that are prioritized for safety improvement, safety investment. We deployed around 400 changeable message signs since 2020 while working with the police department to target speed enforcement on priority safety corridors. We received about $90 million of grant and earmark funds for ro roadway safety improvements since 2021, most recently including the very competitive <laughs> USDOT Safe Streets for All Implementation Grant a new federal grant created by the bipartisan infrastructure law. We built over a thousand safety projects ranging from minor signal work to pedestrian safety enhancement projects. And most importantly, we really put Vision Zero on the map. We put Vision Zero top of mind for the city council, for staff, and for our community. I want to thank all of you for the efforts that you've put in attending these meetings and your recommendation and advice you've given on how we can make our streets safer. It is critically important. 
I read this list of accomplishments because I want you to think about them as we move forward and what do we want our action plan to look like in 2025. I also want to thank our hardworking DOT staff for their work on Vision Zero. They have been tireless in working on Vision Zero and part of it is because we've influenced that, but part of it is because they're passionate about the work they are doing. As we move into the fourth year of the Vision Zero Task Force, I want to refocus our work and transition our body to be more forward-looking and proactive rather than reactive. Task forces are generally set up as temporary groups. I think all of us here already have a strong understanding of the traffic safety issues that face our city. And so it's time for us to produce a final plan that is the culmination of all of the experience and knowledge we've gained as a task force. I'd also like our Vision Zero work to be folded into the regular work of the city with greater attention to the issue from the city council through the Trans Transportation and Environment Committee. To that end, let's focus this year on the creation of a new vision action plan for 2025. The current 2020 vision action plan is vision zero action plan is getting close to being five years old. So it's time, kindergarten. So, so it's time for an update and this task force is best equipped to inform the creation of the new plan. The new plan will be the guiding document for Vision Zero in San Jose moving forward. And I know that this is some of the most important work that the task force will be doing. Once the 2025 Vision Zero action plan is completed, we will send it to the City Council for adoption. And then the Vision Zero work will be folded into the City's regular work plans. With the 2025 Vision Zero action plan adopted, we will be able to conclude the Vision Zero task force at the end of the year with the updated action plan informing future staff work related to Vision Zero. Staff will provide increased updates on the implementation of this new plan to the Transportation Environment Committee. The Transportation Environment Committee will be a good venue for oversight of the new Vision Zero plan as it will get the issue of Vision Zero in front of five council members who sit on the TNE more uh, committee, and as a member of TNE, I will definitely make sure that Vision Zero is still top of mind when it comes to us. Already, you should be aware that Vision Zero does make presentations to TNE. This will fold the work. A T transportation environment has a work plan. This will become part of their work plan, and. So the work will continue. The work is not stopping. I want to be very clear. Changing the focus of the task force or closing the task force does not eliminate in any way, shape, or form the work of Vision Zero. That will continue. It merely makes it more powerful because it's going to a committee where five city council members sit. I know that the staff plans to provide regular updates on the 2025 action plan to the Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. And actually we have a we are a liaison to that committee as well. Kyle attends those meetings regularly. In fact, he attended one this week, I think. 
and and that'll be an opportunity uh, if you're a bicyclist and and you attend that committee or a pedestrian and you attend that committee that's an opportunity for your feedback as well to be clear even though we're talking about concluding the work of the task force I can't state this enough because I don't want anyone to leave here saying we're stopping our work at Vision Zero. That is n couldn't be further from the truth. We are merely focusing it in a more powerful way. We're amping up the attention to Vision Zero. Vision Zero is an issue that interse intersects with many city departments and county agencies. Our Department of Transportation will continue to collaborate with other departments and agencies to meet our Vision Zero goals, which we're going to establish with our work plan. In fact, this will allow our staff to focus more on getting the Vision Zero work done rather than preparing for these meetings, which I can tell you take a lot of time for them to put the work together for these meetings, which is the same reports they put together for the T&E committee. So it's it's a redundancy that we're going to be avoiding, saving valuable staff time. The Vision Zero Task Force has heard a lot of reports, but now it's time for the task force to move to be more action-oriented by creating the new Vision Zero Action Plan and concluding our work as a task force. With that, I'm gonna hand it off to Jesse, who will talk more about the 2025 Vision Zero Action Plan and its creation and how we go forward from here to put that together. But that's what we're all here for. In the next three meetings, we're gonna come up with an action plan that we send to council, council adopts, and away we go. Jesse. Thank you for that great introduction. Uh, right, so in this section, we're talking about the new 2025 Vision Zero action plan that we'll be creating. And on this slide, we have our proposed engagement timeline, starting with today the Vision Zero Task Force announcement. Um, and as uh, Councilmember Foley said, we do, uh, we do present to the Transportation Environment Committee known as T&E, um, and our next presentation is on uh, May 6th, which is coming up soon. Uh, could be similar, because typically in May we report on our data, um, so that is likely going to be the base of the presentation. However, giving this introduction on this slide, uh, we want that and also everything else listed on the slide to be a time for people to give us input about the creation of the 2025 Vision Zero Action Plan. Um, we're considering the main window for input to be spring, basically the time between now and the next Vision Zero Task Force meeting, which is June 27, uh, also a Thursday, also at 1.30 p.m. And um, at that one, we plan to present a draft of the 2025 action plan. Um, and then at the third and last uh, Vision Zero Task Force meeting, which will be held in October of 2024, that's when we plan to present the final document in order to submit it to council for a vote by the end of calendar 2024. Um, and that the timeline has a lot to do with the USDOT grant that we fortunately won this year. Um, we want to finish it in time to be able to use it to apply to the round that is in 2025. Um, so uh, in terms of engagement, we're interested to hear from the task force and also from the public uh, the types of engagement that they'd like to have. 
Um, we're seeking input uh, from members, from the public, council offices, and neighborhood leaders um, in spring. So that's our general, one of our questions for you today. Um, and I guess I'd like to go to the next slide. Um, in general, about the, our thoughts for the 2025 Vision Zero Action Plan is that we'd like to keep a similar framework to what we have now in the 2020 Action Plan, but we'd also like to include a number, these are sort of our preliminary ideas for consideration. Um, so we have our priority action areas in the 2020. Uh, there are six of them. One of them was to create a Vision Zero Task Force, so that one would uh, go away, but we'd keep the five others. Uh, last year in May, we updated our priority safety corridor map, um, and I think making it clearer that the new one is the current one will be a plus of the new action plan because currently the 2020 action plan shows our old map. Um, but in the 2023 update, we actually doubled the number of street miles that are on the map. So we have many more Vision Zero streets now. Um, deliverables, such as the number of quick build miles that we deliver per year, uh, we'd like to have be clearer. Uh, equity, so future, past, basically um, the locations of our priority safety corridors are not um, random. They are the places that have the most fatal and severe injuries and fatal and severe injuries are not equally split around town. Um, so there's certain districts uh, such as seven and five and three and six that typically have the most fatal and severe injuries and tend to be the focus of the Vision Zero program. Um, there's a lot of history that informs that. Um, and so there are also a lot of maps that we use when we apply for grants, for example, such as the Regional Metropolitan Transportation Commission grant uh, map or the federal USDOT uh, map. Um, so we'd like to use all of those definitions to talk about equity. Um, engagement, uh, as we're doing here, we'd like to talk about accountability frequency. Uh, the amount of, so how frequently we report on the deliverables. Um, the safe systems approach is a methodology that is very big um, at the moment in the US Department of Transportation and other areas of cities that do street safety work. And so we'd like to be uh, clearer about the way that we address that. Um, implementation strategies and prioritization. Uh, there's a lot of ways that we work on implementing uh, safer streets, uh, you know, redesign, things like the Slow Down San Jose uh, safety messaging campaign. Uh, we'd like to talk about how they work together and how they're prioritized. Uh, the USDOT grant itself has a self-certification sheet that we use and we'd like to um, do all of, basically we wanna check every box on there um, in a clearer way than we had in 2020 before the grant program cr was created. Um, and finally, uh, AB 645 is the speeds, they're called speed safety systems, but it's the speed camera pilot program that San Jose is now allowed to be one of the six cities in California uh, to operate. And we're just working on that now, getting the, beginnings of it started, but we'd also like to include that in our Vision Zero action plan that we're working on. So um, we'd be happy, another topic for conversation here, uh, to hear about other ideas, um, but we just want to say that we uh, you know, need to also uh, vet their, feasibil their feasibility 
So we're happy to take ideas for consideration for this list and also for engagement. Thank you. So that tees up the conversation. This is an opportunity for us to just throw out ideas, what we, what we would like to see to, uh, to move in this action plan and going forward. Um, you do have a microphone or you, we are, there are share microphones in front of you. You should know that these are live mics. So uh, if you don't want to say something privately, turn the microphone away from you or you don't want it to be heard publicly that's private, turn it away from you. And if you could raise your hand so I can call on you, then uh, we'll have uh, the meeting will move forward in an organized fashion. Any thoughts, comments, input? Gina. Hello. Um, I'm a member of Families for Safe Street, San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, so when I was thinking about a new action plan, um, I envisioned something very um, measurable and um, something that we can look how look at how the progress will be measured. Um, a few things, I've, I've been advocating in Sacramento and telling my son's story with lawmakers there and helping with some legislation that's been passed and I'd really love to see us take advantage of some of this legislation. Um, namely, AB 43, I'd like to see speed limit reductions in our city. Um, I haven't heard anything besides the initial six streets that we drop speeds on, but I know San Francisco has been really actively dropping speed limits, so this could reduce speed um, in our city. And then um, the speed cameras, I know San Francisco is working on this. Um, they'll probably be the first to get their cameras going, and it will be early 2025, and I really want to get onto their timeline <laughs> and not be waiting. Um, the sooner we can gather data on how this is working, the sooner the whole state of California can start using speed cameras. So I think it's really important that we get on board soon. Um, and the other one, um, AB 413 passed, it's about daylighting, which I know a lot of people are just, eh, daylighting. Well, we can't possibly paint red curbs on 60,000 intersections. However, daylighting can save lives. Um, it People are not supposed to park within, I believe it's 20 feet of the intersection so that pedestrians can be seen, cyclists can be seen. In cities like Hoboken, New Jersey, who have zero traffic fatalities for seven years, are focused on daylighting. That's one of their main focuses. Um, even though it had been on the books, the law had been on the books in New Jersey for 10 years, their city decided to really enforce it, and it's low cost. Um, and it's not just about paint, it's about putting in, um, I forget what they, they're not bollards, but they're the other things that stick up <laughs> so that people don't park there. They put, sometimes they put a bike rack there or plants. Um, and we don't have to do the whole city. We could do our 30 Vision Zero corridors could be daylit. Um, and schools, anywhere near schools. So those are just some ideas that I have that I hope that we we use some tools that we have already. Wonderful, thank you for thinking about that and bringing up those ideas. The, I, those are excellent ideas and things that we can definitely consider how we're gonna incorporate. I love the idea, we absolutely need measurable. We, we 
narrow our streets, we take away lanes in Hillsdale, which is in my district, we take a, away a lane in both directions, but neighbors want to know what's it doing, is it working? I know we'll have data soon to tell us one way or the other, but that's really helpful, particularly as we do more quick builds throughout the city. People want to know, are they really successful? Are they doing what they're supposed to do? Anything else? Don't be shy. Joe. I'd like to follow up on Gina's recommendations. Uh, <coughs> from uh, my perspective, sitting on the task force for the past four years, measurement that we've followed is becoming uh, increasingly uh, disturbing and urgent. And that's the number of uh, serious injuries and, and fatalities outside of the motor vehicle, primarily pedestrians. And as Jesse pointed out, there's some unknowns on the trend in particular of why is that? Um, why, why are we seeing uh, increasing pedestrian fatalities on our streets. Uh, I have a couple of thoughts relative to the action plan. Uh, daylighting, I, I would concur with Gina as a, a pedestrian and a walker frequently uh, in my district. Uh, that is, and, and along with my grandchildren, daylighting is an obvious solution to uh, close calls, if not, collisions with pedestrians. So I would recommend that. And I would add city parks as the other focus area. Uh, we've had a fatality in, in my neighborhood, a freshman boy, student at the school next to my home was killed running across the street from the park across the street at a training after school training session to retrieve his book at the school. So that would be another area uh, that daylighting would be effective. Uh, the second part about pedestrians, uh, as a representative from AARP, it's uh, become increasingly concerning to our membership of older adults who uh, represent a significant percentage of the fatalities over the past three years as pedestrians are increasingly uh, uh, hurt so uh, we would be very interested in understanding that uh, characteristic and to what extent um, we can build an action plan with community engagement and outreach uh, to better understand that phenomenon of pedestrian fatalities and to what extent we can do something proactively in the community uh, to uh, address that. One step that we've taken recently uh, uh, with our community engagement work is to engage neighborhood leaders in two key intersections in our city, Kirtner and Branham Lane along the Monterey Corridor. And we've been successful in engaging community and neighborhood association leaders and better understanding the profile of risk to the residents in that area uh, on those two quarters, corridors. So an action plan idea that we have is to continue that kind of work, uh, working with community and neighborhood associations 
across the city on our priority corridors uh, and engage the public and to better understand uh, what's happening and how we can address it. Thank you. Great, thank you. Comments, thoughts, anything legislative we can do? Diana. I, I didn't want the, the advocates to take up all the time, but it seems like they're the ones that are very passionate about speaking. Um, as such, I'm very much so interested in finding out how the advocates will continue to have a voice in this discussion. Um, they've contributed so much time and are always the first person, first people to make sure that the community is represented. So how will we continue to ensure that these voices are left from the table? No, I agree that that's extremely important. That's why the bicycle and pedestrian uh, committee will be, a, our commission will be a good place as one advocacy. Of course, the T&E committees are, is open to the public and you're welcome to participate and attend, but we're all available for any public comments. And we've also started working with or discussed with Gina possibly uh, starting a, uh, uh, a safe city street, a safe street program like they have in San Francisco down here. And, and if Lily or Lamb or Jesse would like to jump in, feel free. Okay. I see Lily's moved up. I see you all moved well, up before here. Before they yes. do, I certainly can. <laughs> <laughs> or John, uh, yeah. thank you, John. And just to just to answer for uh, Diane, I think we're we are very open to almost all to all the things that you just mentioned, all the way from city council directly being involved in any community input that we get to work on for safety projects. That's what we do today all the time. As both you uh, council members know, we're working with your offices on a whole wide range of types of safety projects from small to very large. So there's the council offices that you can always communicate with as well as what you just talked about, the T&E committee and our DPAC committee, as well as directly to the department in various different ways. We've got a number of communication ways that are broken down into all the different things we do from trees to sidewalks to safety projects to lighting to everything. So. We're very open to uh, gaining that input and working with council offices and community and actually, you know, the bicycle community because we're very engaged with all the things that try to make our system much more safe. So we, we don't think it's gonna be any less communication activity or opportunities for the public to get involved in this. Thank you, John. Lily, did you? Yes, I do. Um, Thank you. We brought with us, and as John was talking about, the different ways that DOT can be contacted for whether it's safety concerns to just operational concerns. As you walk out today, you will you can pick up a flyer or one pager that lists all of the contacts, ways you can contact DOT. Um, be, above and beyond the council offices or TNE or any of the committees, but I wanted to make sure that those interested have this, and we also have this on on our uh, DOT website as well. So that's available. I also want to say um, I welcome that you work with me as well. I manage the traffic safety team, where 
Um, under my program, I have the Walk and Roll program, which encompasses a lot of the um, education outreach for schools, as well as our traffic safety program, which has our traffic calming, ped safety projects. And we also work closely with a lot of the other teams within DOT that also delivers Vision Zero um, or safety improvement projects as well. Thank you. A couple of things I've been thinking about <coughs> is first, fully funding quick bills, make sure that we have the funding that we need for that, whether it be in a grant or through funding through the city. I know that there's demands on general fund dollars, mm -hmm. so any way that we can leverage those funds so we can do more of the pedestrian safety uh, updates that we need to to intersections and particularly around schools and parks and other areas. Joe, that was a, a great call about our parks as well. Um, and, but I know that, that financing is a concern or funding is a concern, so anything you all can do is as we go through the budget process, start advocating for uh, fully funding Vision Zero. Last year we were able to get the funding for a grant writer and the grant writer was able to generate substantial dollars that help put in those four corridors for uh, improvements that were that you saw the press conference on. So those kind of things are really impactful, getting more staff to help us if that's a possibility or uh, the quick build dollars. I'm also thinking, I agree about the uh, speed cameras is having that uh, implemented as quickly as possible. I've heard, I was hoping we'd have it done by the end of this year, uh, but then I've heard updates that, well, maybe at the end of next year. That's not, for me, that's not soon enough, so I think we need to push that to make sure we get AB 645 implemented as quickly as possible, and if San Francisco can do it earlier, so can we. I we do have be, a We should be ahead of them on this. I do have a positive update on that. I think Jill has been working feverishly with our purchasing team, and we will be issuing RFI to our vendors next month. Mid-next month? In two weeks. Oh, that's fabulous. So we're moving, and yes. Great. That's, that's wonderful. Yes. The other thing, um, of course, increasing our traffic enforcement unit is important because we know that there's an enforcement component. I've always said there's three three legs to um, implementing Vision Zero and making our streets safe. One is education, which we, we work very hard to educate our community, but the community has to be receptive to our message of slowing down, and many aren't. Many uh, don't allow themselves that five extra minutes they need to to drive safely, but we, that doesn't mean we stop. We need to continue educating, and some of that education should, and should continue to occur at our elementary schools because I'll tell you, if elementary school kids see their parents driving unsafely or speeding, they're gonna scold mom and dad. And mom and dad won't like to hear that they're being scolded by their kids. So anything we can do to work more closely with our schools, I know we do a, a walk and roll and that's really important. Uh, and you know we're coming into spring so we'll be doing a little bit more of that. Mo the more we can do that, the better it is for our, parent, our parents and community because we know around the schools, it is the parents who are speeding and um, not just parents, 
but majority of parent parents are the ones speeding around the schools because they're running they're running late <coughs> traffic enforcement units so so then we work on the infrastructure which is the quick builds and other areas other things that we can do to make our intersections safe make sure the paint the crosswalks are painted properly the third thing is enforcement and for that it's the traffic enforcement unit i know we have 15 officers well 13 today that was actually enforced by me 13 we lost two yeah well we lost two to retirement one got backfilled oh we're still working on it <laughs> i i know this it is a priority of the uh city council to make sure we fund more police officers and one of the units that's really important is the traffic enforcement unit because I'll tell you, when you see police officers out there, people slow down, even if they're, just, if they're driving in a cruiser. But if they're on a motorcycle, people are slowing down for that, and that's really important. So even just visually, whether they're giving tickets or not, it does help tremendously. So we need to, to do that, though. We need to recruit officers. We get to, need to get off, uh, individuals through the academy, and then we need to train them as motorcycle cops, which is... Do you have anything you'd like to add about that? <laughs> well, uh, what I was going to add to that is we, we have 15 if you count the two supervisors, but they don't do a heck of a lot of enforcement unless they're out and about and they see something. Um, the unit's actually budget, budgeted for 30, so the budget's there for additional cops, but we don't have the manpower. We just don't have the staffing. And to get someone from the hiring, from background to hiring through the academy through training programs is a two-year process. And uh, we struggle to get folks in our academy these days. That's that's a big problem. But I mean, I think moving forward with the task force, I think there needs to be a, a striking balance between all three three subjects. There really needs to be. There's a lot of focus on roadway engineering and how we can change this roadway. But ultimately, we also should focus on how do we change folks' driving behavior, or walking behavior, or bicycling behavior. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the most impactful way of doing that is affecting their pocketbook, unfortunately. No one likes to get a ticket, but unfortunately that's how human behavior is. And that's what usually changes our behavior, at least for a short period of time to where we start driving appropriately. Um, with uh, the daylighting is a, is a really, really good idea. I know we used to have a lot of fatalities in the area of Capital Expressway between Ocala and Tolly years back because folks would leapfrog across the, the expressway and there's the speed of the traffic's very fast. So they lit that up. It's lit up like a runway at night. They put the fence down the middle, and we haven't had a fatality in years in that particular area. So not only daylighting, I would agree with the intersections, but there's certain corridors such as Monterey Road that don't affect the residential area if we light it up, but it would light up to the, to the point where we actually see someone crossing the road, because most of the pedestrians are crossing the road, but we're in dark clothing. And it's happened yeah. to probably most of us in this room. You know, wait, is that somebody crossing the road? Dark, darkness is a huge factor. It, 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 is, yeah. it is huge, huge. So speeds obviously is a factor, but visibility is a huge factor. But the other thing I will say about education is when we make a major modification to a particular intersection or a particular area, I think we need to do a little bit more outreach to that particular neighborhood, to that particular area. Um, to let folks know, hey, we've made modifications, these are the modifications, this is why, and this is what, what our expectation is, you know, to follow the rules and slow down and things like that. I thought slow down San Jose was a great campaign, I think we should do more of that. 
uh, enforcement is, the folks that we do have at the police department, I will say they're doing an incredible job. Last fiscal year, 14 and two supervisors, 16, so we've lost one, right? Issued 21,000 citations. Now you would think, my gosh, that's an awful lot. It really isn't for a city of over a million. And those guys are working 10 hour days. They're out there constantly all day long, 10 hours a day issuing tickets. So they're doing a lot of great work. We just need more staffing. Thank you. I've got a quick question, <coughs> Captain. For example, on the uh, McLaughlin corridor, for a while I, I, I would see two or three motorcycle officer, you know, do a traffic stop and it uh, continue for like almost a week and it changes people's behavior, not only for a short term, but for a long term because normally it takes probably 29 days before you can change a behavior. But you do intermittently, instead of continuously, intermittently, instead of doing seven days a week, you can go two days this week, two days you know, throughout the, the whole month. It would definitely change the behavior. Do you hate, uh, did the police department continue to do those program or no? Well, they try to look at the, the uh, Vision Zero corridors and they try to target those in different different times we get a lot of special requests we probably get three to five hundred special requests a month so we don't hit all of those obviously because we just don't have the manpower but we try to hit a lot of those we try to hit a lot of the schools um, for obvious reasons um, but they try not to focus on one particular area every single day because there's many other areas to to focus on uh, but not only that but they also work some overtime assignments the LTS grant gives the city of San Jose some money for certain overtime assignments such as primary collision factors. So they'll go out and spend an additional few hours in the evening focusing on certain primary collision factors and doing enforcement in that area. DUI checkpoints, saturation cars, things like that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, a couple of other things I've been thinking about is, well, Gina brought it up, is lowering speed limits. I know we uh, lowered speed limits around some of our schools, but we can lower them to 15 around all of our schools, and that's worth looking into and considering. Also, um, I know the governor uh, signed into law, I think a year or two years ago, that jaywalking was now legal. I don't know, that's pretty scary for drivers, especially when it's dark out, to have someone run out between two cars it's it's very scary if I, if I can just touch on that yes so please the, the law the law hasn't changed so jaywalking is still illegal however an officer cannot contact you and cite you for doing it unless they can prove you're impeded traffic so if your actions impeded traffic or were likely to lead to the injury or death of somebody obviously that's impeding traffic then the officer can contact you and issue a citation so that's the caveat. So if there's no cars in the roadway, have at it, cross right. the road. The problem is if your actions lead to that accident, now you can get the citation because the law hasn't changed. That's the caveat that changed with that. I see, okay. And it really, yeah. will, it really was designed as a pretext. So officers can't just stop you for that reason unless they can prove your actions are impeding traffic. Okay, that makes sense. Um, road design isn't, isn't such to the fact that there is a sidewalk or a crosswalk everywhere a pedestrian wants to cross. So to penalize them for the lack of infrastructure and allowing the community to travel as they have 
seen is there's a thing called a desired path where um, you will create a path wherever it is that you actually go to. And uh, San Jose State actually discovered that they put paths in for their students to go to places and they didn't put the path in the right place. So they wasted time, money, and infrastructure and the kids still walked on, on the, the grass. So if you don't put a path where, where people actually go, they're gonna cross where it's natural. So to penalize them because the city didn't put a crosswalk there, doesn't really make sense. It doesn't ensure that they're safe either because if you really do time to connect the community and make sure that you know where they're going, you would put a crosswalk there and it wouldn't be a safety concern for drivers or motorists, bicyclists, pedestrians. Any other comments, <coughs> thoughts? I'll, I'll jump back Nothing in. Yet. I actually have a question. Uh, I'm sorry if this sounds silly, but I wanted to get some clarification on the definition of daylighting. Is it only the visibility per because of lighting or also uh, decreasing the amount of obstruction next to a crosswalk, like a parked car? Um, I think it doesn't actually have to do with lighting, even though I do want brighter lights in the city, so I'm <laughs> supposed to add those. But um, I think it just, they call it daylighting because it means you can see. <laughs> and it, it allows visibility um, for people stepping off the curb. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Jesse. That, I don't know. Yes, that's correct. So daylighting is basically a way to make it more visible to see for drivers to see people crossing the street. So um, just if you can imagine in your mind a relatively narrow street where there's cars parked on both sides, um, but then someone's trying to cross the street, but you can't really see them because the cars are parked in the place where they're waiting to cross the street. Um, effectively, the daylighting bill is intended to remove a car lane, so the first parking spot next to the crosswalk. Um, and then as you're driving forward towards this imaginary crosswalk in your mind, um, you'd be able to see someone waiting um, either on the corner or possibly if they've inched out um, who would have otherwise been visually blocked by a, a parked car. Um, I also want to just ask a question about just something you've said uh, already, which is the conversation about creating something similar to San Francisco's Safer Streets program. Maybe we could discuss a little bit more about what that, what that is. Gina, tell us about that group you're involved with in San Francisco. Oh, um, so. That we'd like to bring down here, or talking I, yes, about bringing it down I'd here. love for it to be here as well. <laughs> the problem is, I don't know any other advocates, and I know they're out there, because we've had hundreds of fatalities and injuries, and um, if there's more advocates, they should try to contact me. <laughs> and, and we can start a chapter. Um, I'd love to have a chapter down here where we're advocating for this city and this area, and I'd love to be involved in that. Um, I'm part of the San Francisco Bay Area chapter, but it's um, under Walk San Francisco, so a lot of times we are focusing on what San Francisco is doing, which gives me lots of good ideas to come to the city of San Jose and say, hey, guess what they're doing, you know? <laughs> Um, but we are kind of a Bay Area. It would be great to have a San Jose-specific chapter. And, and the name of the group is San Francisco Families for Safe Streets. It's uh, San Francisco Bay, Bay Area, Area Families for Safe Streets. But um, if we had one in San Jose, it would be San Jose Families for Safe Streets. Yeah. So it's another way to get involved and advocate. If you have any ideas, 
Yes, ma'am. It's, it's not necessarily, I don't want to lose it though, but one of the focuses in causing unsafe streets is distracted driving. April is distracted driving month. However, EMS in Santa Clara County will begin that distracted driving campaign the middle of March. And we would so like Division Zero uh, to uh, sort of endorse this. We would um, really truly appreciate will be rolling that out and be sending you sort of um, the campaign slogan is just drive. Um, many of what we see in EMS is affiliated with sort of, you know, the non-fatalities at the step off, middle of the road and the ability to see, but this year has already started off uh, pretty horrific but that is part of the reason is people doing this. Uh, we got a little bit of data today with a lot of uh, persons in their 40s. So it isn't just the young, but um, I'm also still working, Jesse, don't give up, on some data sharing. But if you would be so inclined, I'd like to send our information and if you can share it on your website. But I know that that goes hand in hand with uh, speeding, but distracted driving for whatever reason, anytime you take your eyes off the road, it's just drive. Thank you for reminding us about that. It isn't just speed, it is distracted driving. And I thought we recognized that at City Hall last month, last year in April, but you did. <laughs> uh, then we need to do it again. And so I just. Well, we need to get on the calendar. I so just wanted to throw my. Thank you. My Thank you. And so send us information. We can in actually include it in our newsletters and. I will do And that. all of our publications. I'm working on it as we speak this week, and this was my opportunity, and I will send it out to y'all and to Jesse. Okay. So, so just to put it out there, awareness months, we, there are two of them, I think April and October. Um, one is distracted driving and one is pedestrian safety. Um, and then the other thing that you mentioned is data sharing, which um, we've been working on trying to set up for quite a while. Um, and there may be some opportunities to work with you to, um, to further yeah. that. Um, but there are also other departments here that we have some, you know, potential for more data sharing with. So that is, uh, as an overarching topic, something that we could also do more of. Great. Thank you. So as we move forward, if you have any ideas, you leave this meeting, because I realize I, I dropped it on many of you that we're uh, closing the task force, but we're not finishing our work. Uh, that this is the first you're hearing about it. So if you get home, you get back to your office and say, oh, I wish I brought that up, please let our staff know. Either you can let Kyle know, you can let Jesse know, anyone, you have uh, tools of how to reach out to us, please let us know. The goal is to have a draft plan at our next meeting so that then we can bring one to council for adoption at the end of the fiscal, or not the end of the fiscal year, the end of the year. Does anyone have any other suggestions? Gail, I'll get to you. 
If not, then, uh, then I really appreciate you taking your time to be here for the task force meeting. We now are going to public comment. And how about that? We're early. So because we're early and I just have a few cards, I'll give you two minutes. <laughs> but that also means, Gail, you have to turn in one. So we'll start with Jordan Moldau. Jordan Moldau, District 3. Um, closing the task force, I have conflicting feelings on that. Um, definitely, I feel like the task force could be more, a lot more effective than it has been. Um, but it's also not clear to me that closing it and handing off an action plan to T&E is actually going to result in anything better. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's better. Um, T&E isn't going to be dropping things from their work plan to spend more time on Vision Zero. And so I think part of this work plan has to be a little bit meta. Um, I think there needs to be a bunch of reflection on what has not gone well, um, what is getting in the city's way from implementing Vision Zero, what kind of red tape is getting in the way, what kind of barriers talking between departments is getting in the way. What can we learn from cities like Fremont and Hoboken? What bureaucratic things do they do that we don't that makes them effective and makes us ineffective? And so I think that's really important to think about before dissolving because if, if you just dissolve without thinking about any of that, then there's no reason to expect anything to improve. Um, infrastructure is important. Infrastructure is there 24 seven. Uh, enforcement is not. Infrastructure needs to be the number one priority. You can do education, you can do enforcement, but uh, most of the implementation needs to be infrastructure. And everyone needs to get a lot more serious about all aspects of Vision Zero. Um, I said that at the last meeting. It doesn't seem like that much has changed. We still need um, IWM to you know, start talking to the advocates about how to get trash in bike lanes. And SJFD needs to stop parking next to crosswalks to go get coffee. Thank you. Perhaps, Rob, do you want to talk about yeah. why a council committee is more impactful than a task force? Yeah, in terms of the task force model, it is feedback to the city um, from various activists, community um, stakeholders, whoever's on the panel. Uh, the Transportation Environment Committee actually um, gives, uh, is a members of council, they receive reports and they can also cross-reference um, to city council for desired action. So in terms of the T&E, the we do a um, committee, we actually have a work plan. We incorporate it into the work of the department, so it's a good lever to say this must be done uh, and must be reported on. Um, and so you get both that action and uh, the memorialization of the work. And then when there's specific action to be done that's significant, it then uh, can be cross-referenced to council and say, hey, we want this plan approved. Um, we want this um, addressed somehow in the budget, uh, potentially an MBA or, or BD, or sorry, uh, budget addendum and, and those types of, of work items. So it actually um, formalizes that work process differently um, and more so uh, in, in the sense of a, a formal action than an uh, advisory board or an ad hoc committee or something along those lines. 
So it does have different and, and stronger levers in some way, but the feedback um, mechanism has to be incorporated just to make sure that doesn't discontinue. Is that helpful? Thank you. Yeah, I think I think that's important for the committee and the community to know that the reason we're doing this is to elevate Vision Zero and make it more impactful. At the committee level, they have the power to uh, move <laughs> items to city council, and we don't necessarily. So we view reports, we offer recommendations to the Vision Zero task force, then Vision Zero actually goes to T&E anyway, and T&E makes the recommendations and the mo motions at that committee and moves it forward to council. Uh, next comment, uh, next is Jeff Boissier. Hi, my name's Jeff Boissier, District 10. Thanks for the Sorry, I tried French pronunciation. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I accept that every time. So most people have trouble with that. So. And my family uh, carries with us. So that's a joke. Um, I didn't have a prepared statement. I just wanted to, uh, to uh, double down on uh, a couple of comments Jordan made about uh, Vision Zero. Uh, one, I like the idea of uh, uh, reviewing other success stories around the country. Hoboken's a great one, but there's got to be plenty of others, and I wish it be an action item to have the committee look at what other people are doing and try to cull from them what, uh, what success is going to be. And another one that I'm a firm believer in is, is uh, speed is what is killing people around here. Uh, slowing people down is what's important. The most important thing we can do is have good infrastructure that, that provides design speeds that make people want to drive slower. If they perceive the risk isn't high, they're not going to uh, slow down. They're just going to continue to go until they get enforced and, and uh, get a ticket. And I think overall, like Jordan said, infrastructure is 24-7. Keep people moving slow. You've got to focus on infrastructure. That said, I had a comment by uh, very quickly about uh, bike lanes, keeping bike lanes clear, which is important to me because I'm a, a cyclist. But bike lanes are only as useful insofar as they're clear. Lanes blocked either partially or completely by yard trimmings, garbage cans, etc., pose a threat by forcing a cyclist into a lane of traffic or by impact if they're not clearly visible to cyclists early enough for them uh, to take evasive action. This has already happened in San Jose where a man on a scooter was killed when he uh, uh, struck a brush pile and was ejected from a scooter. Blocked bike lanes are just one more reason potential cyclists do not feel safe while riding and therefore avoid the ride altogether, opting instead to use a car. This is the exact opposite of what we are promoting. So um, a bike lane is just as important as any other lane on the road, and I want to make sure that we have services to handle that. Thanks. Thank you. Sayanon. Hi there. Sayanon uh, Sivaraman, District 3. Um, I'm here also to talk about bike lanes and how they they are often blocked after dark when we're not enforcing parking restrictions. Um, this is actually does force me as a cyclist to then use the regular road. So the separated bicycle infrastructure is totally useless at that point, except for free unauthorized parking for, for drivers. Uh, there was a law passed last year, AB 361, that actually authorizes cities in the state of California to have cameras on their parking enforcement vehicles to drive around and specifically write you know, semi-automated tickets to people who park in bike lanes. I think the city of San Jose should pursue this. 
and I'd love to see us actually enforce um, enforce the bike lane parking specifically after dark where this is very common. Thank you. Thank you. Gail Osmer. Thank you. I just wanted to share something of um, what I did and thank you, Jesse. I volunteered um, one weekend at the corner of Coleman and Taylor and here's, I don't know if it's in the pipeline to do, but they closed off the turn lane. So everybody, when they drove up, they had to stop. And then they turned. It was wonderful. I'm, I'm kind of dorky about it, but everybody didn't, was happy. Nobody, you know, got mad that they had to stop. They just couldn't turn. And we had a lady came, come up in her bike. And when she saw this, she was so happy because, you know, it's dangerous, as people have said. So if we can get this maybe on the work plan, I don't know, again, if it's in the pipeline, but instead of turning, stop and then turn. Take that turn lane away, because it is much safer, and everybody, nobody got mad. There were lots of cars stopped, and I was standing there, I was going, and everybody, yeah. <laughs> so people seem to be happy, but that's just a suggestion. Thank you. Thanks, Gail. Seeing no other comments, we are adjourned for our uh, early. That's, but, but that, please, if you have any comments about uh, Vision Zero, where you'd like us to go with the work plan, let Jesse and the staff know. Thank you for being here.